Welcome to season two of the Anxious Pastor podcast. I'm really pumped about this season and the episodes that are to come over the next several months. Now, my goal is to share more insights into anxiety as well as telling the stories of others who deal with anxiety. So you may hear some different people and some different perspectives on this season. My hope is that this will remind us that we're not alone and that we all carry something. Now, before we get into this episode, I'd like to remind you of a couple things that are important to the podcast. Number one, be sure to check out the Anxious Pastor Community Group on Facebook. This is a community of people who are working through their journey with anxiety, and it's important to do this together. So be sure to check that out and join the community. Also, our podcast is listener-sponsored, so if you'd like to help out with that and offset some of our costs, you can head over to patreon.com backslash the Anxious Pastor Podcast. Again, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash the Anxious Pastor Podcast. And also, be sure to subscribe, review, and tell your friends. That would mean a lot to us to just share that with um, those that you know who might need it and might uh, might help them out. In today's episode, we're starting a two-part interview series called Anxious and the Diagnosis. Between the next two episodes, I interview my close friends of 10 plus years, Brian and Stephanie Hay. I interview Stephanie in this opening episode, and I'll interview Brian in the part two episode. Several months ago, their lives got turned upside down, and we're going to hear all about that during our time together. So here's my interview with my friend, Stephanie Hay. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so thankful that you agreed to be here and to share your story, to share your testimony. And, and I'm, I'm grateful because I know that it's going to impact a lot of people. It's going to be such a blessing to a lot of people. And so uh, I just want to jump right in and let you tell me a little bit about you. So tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. You know, share that. Okay. Well, um, I've been married for... Um, 13 years and to a wonderful man. We have two kids, a five-year-old boy named Isaac and a one-year-old girl named Isabella. So what you do for a living is you're a stay-at-home mom. Is that correct? Yes, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom for almost six years now. Awesome. So tell me, do you have a favorite TV show? I have lots of favorite TV shows, but I guess one in particular that we've been really stuck on this year is Manifest. Manifest. Okay. Yeah. That's a new one that came out like yes, recently, right? It okay. is. All right. What's your pet peeve? What's your biggest pet peeve? Something that the world does or something that someone does that you just don't like? Um, pet peeve. One that comes at the top of my head is people that don't put their shopping carts back. Amen, sister. That Amen. is huge for me. Yeah. And you know what bothers me the most? It's the ones that they put them up on the curb, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, the little cart return thing is like 30 steps that way. Yeah. If you would just put it over there. Mm -hmm. Right next to their car, but I they know. choose to put it on the curb on the other side. Isn't that so frustrating? Yes. Okay. We digress. So Stephanie, when you entered 2019, how did you expect that year to go? So really busy because we had just bought a new house. Um, so we just moved in. Isabella wasn't even a year old yet. 
Um, Brian was starting back with school, so we knew that he was going to have a full schedule with reading and work, and it was just going to be a little bit of chaos trying to work a whole new schedule with school and with our normal family routine. And so that was um, just a little bit more stress than what we probably wanted, but, you know, we made it work. Sure. But nothing really out of the norm of, you know, everyday life, those kind of things. Just normal things. Isaac going back to school and me taking care of Isabella. Yeah. So tell me when, when now that we're in 2020, Mm -hmm. what, what's changed? Everything has changed. Um, So back in October, we, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Um, And so this whole year ahead of us is everything is revolved around that um, with appointments and treatments and surgeries and, um, you know, having family living with us since October. So, I mean, everything is different. Our routines have completely been turned upside down. Oh, sure. Yeah. Probably feels like everything that you thought was like big things in 2019 are or small things now. Yeah. Everything that seemed like a big deal or a big issue just seems just minute. Like it's just Mm. not. Yeah. We just don't even have time for that. (laughs) Well, I can't imagine, you know, we've, we've all been friends for a long time. And, um, you know, I remember sitting with Brian when he told me, Hey, we got to go to the doctor. We're not real sure what's going on. And Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, all of us is kind of, think those kind of things aren't, aren't going to happen, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm sure it's just been such a different, Mm -hmm. different world for, for you. And, and so, so tell me, um, you know, you get this diagnosis Mm -hmm. of breast cancer and, you know, what were your first feelings? What, what come to mind? What were your emotions? Shock. I think I was scared at first. It was hard to believe because at my age and just stopped nursing, it just wasn't something that was at the top of my list of things that could be wrong. I mean, we just thought it would be something simple, nursing related, nothing, mm-hmm. not a big deal. Um, so it was a really big shock, I think, not just to us, but everyone else that we had told previously, like, hey, we're going to be going you know, to the doctor this week you know, for ultrasound or mammogram, you know, for something that's abnormal, you know, pray for us. You know, nobody thought that this could be what it was. And so it was a really hard thing to deal with for the first, gosh, two or three days. It's kind of like having an outer body experience. You feel Mm. like you're looking in on someone else's life, watching their story of something like that, but it's actually happening to you. Yeah. So everything just kind of stopped. So it's probably like waking up Waking up in the morning, you just think it was a dream or yes, feel, exactly feels that way. Exactly. Well, it's definitely, you know, cancer is just such a, such a um, major thing in our culture today. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine. So Stephanie, we talked before anxiety, is something you've dealt with uh, for a while. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Tell me your, your struggles with anxiety and depression, maybe before the diagnosis. Yeah, so after we had our first child, um, that's when I had the postpartum anxiety and depression, um, which stuck with me. 
It wasn't something that was a short-term thing. Um, I still struggle with it. Sure. But it was really bad at first. Um, I struggled with anger issues, with really small little issues, like whether my kids didn't eat that, you know, eat something that I gave them to eat, or they wouldn't go down for a nap, or um, just the little things would be what would really push me over the edge, and sure. I would get angry over nothing. Um that was really my biggest thing was was the rage that would come from it, mm. um, just an irrational thoughts. Then, um, you know, obviously that's gotten better over time. Um, so I've been able to manage that. And then since my diagnosis, um, it's weird. You know, you, you talk about having a supernatural strength that only God can give you because I thought for sure that something like this would would cause my anxiety to be a lot higher. Absolutely. Um, or for my depression to be worse. Um, and it hasn't. Um, for some reason, the bigger things seem to be things that I, I guess I feel like are the God things mm. that I guess I find easier to hand over to him than I would the little daily things that happen in your daily life. But the depression, I mean, you know, kind of like we had talked about before, it just, you might be completely fine one day and then the next day you wake up and you're just completely downcast and not excited about anything, don't have any joy about anything. You're just, just no emotion is there. And then the next day you wake up and everything is completely fine and you're happy again. Sure. Um, and, you know, that did happen to me just last week. Wow. So. Yeah. So it's just an ongoing thing. But mm -hmm, it's an ongoing thing. I think it's a good perspective that, um, you know, the, the big things like that, God gives you these supernatural strengths. And, um, so tell me this, you, you were talking about, let's go back a little bit. Like when you would have those anxiety moments with, mm -hmm. with anger or whatever, tell me, how would you cope with it? What would you do? What would you have to do? How, how did you calm down or how would you work through that? I think at the time, the best way for me to cope with that was to walk away from the situation. Because for me, situations like that would make me angry and then I'd want to cry. And so the best way for me would be to remove myself from that situation um, in order to let go sure. of the anger or the frustration that I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different ways. Like I find I have to do the same thing. So I, when usually for me, I'll get frustrated with our boys and I'm more like you and that it's something random has really no, it's, they haven't cleaned their, you know, their trash up or whatever. And, uh, and if I don't remove myself, I, I find myself doing the same thing. Or if I do like Jericho be like, Hey, Hey, you need to go in the other room, you mm -hmm. know, because it's just one of those deals. It's hard, hard to, to really manage and know what to do with. So, yeah, that's, I think that's a really good, I mean, it's kind of required. When yeah. You're he will, Brian like. will tell me, you need just go upstairs and take some time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, I mean, sometimes he has to really push me to do that because a part of me knows like, okay, I want to sit down. I want to help, but I'm stubborn in that way, but I know that like I have to remove myself because it'll just get worse. Yeah. And it'll be the situation will be worse, not just for him, but for the kids as well. Well, I also have to tell him too. He has gotten to the point where we've had conversations about me 
you know, when you're feeling this, I need you to tell me. Yeah. Like, I need help or I'm feeling like this. Sure. So that he can help me. Oh, that's it. essential. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so what are some things that you would say now you, you've you realized about life that maybe you didn't realize before you were diagnosed? The little stuff does not matter. Hmm. Removing yourself from negative situations or from people that bring that negativity in your life or that drama in your life, like there's just no place for it. I think another thing realizing too, just the importance of family and the love of a family and our church and our friends and um, has just been blown up. And I feel like we've seen the love of God more than we ever have. Mm. Um, and it, those things are really what's most important. The joy, the happiness that you have, that you find every day. It's just, and you know, that's your choice. Yeah. And it's just the little stuff just doesn't matter. The little things that we gripe over and stress over um, just don't seem to matter anymore. How how do you choose to do that? Um, well, as someone that suffers from anxiety and depression, it's not always an easy thing to sure. do, um, especially on the days that I am suffering from it. But, um, you know, I think it's just having that perspective of, you know, realizing just how precious our time is. Um, and you just don't know what the next day is going to bring. Yeah, that's good. I'm trying to find out how, because I need to do that more. So <laughs> that's that's where I'm at with it. All right. So what's it been like to walk with, with Brian through all of this? He's been my biggest fan. He's been there for me for every appointment, every treatment, um, every emotional, stressful, depressed, whatever, every emotion that I have felt. Um, you know, he has seen it and been there to support me through it. So there's, that's really been everything that I've needed. Hmm. Um, he's, I've been able to count on him for anything I've needed with the kids or at home or whatever it may be. Sure. Do you feel like your marriage has, has gotten stronger through all of this? Well, let me first start off by saying this. There has been no greater blessing than having my mom and dad and Brian's parents just stop everything they're doing, just completely um, quit life to come and live with us for several months um, to take care of us, clean up after us, help us at home, help us with the kids, um, help me emotionally, physically um, through this season of our life. I mean, we're looking at this could be potentially a year that we've had family living with us. And it's been the greatest blessing that we could ever ask for for not just us, but also for our kids. So with that being said, when it comes to the strength of our marriage, there has been a little bit of a strain just because we're not used to having people living with us. And for as long as we've had that, um, it's kind of put us into a different routine that we've not been used to having. Um, like before, when we put the kids to bed, we would spend one-on-one -on -one time together, whether it was watching a TV show or a movie or doing a study or something like that. Um, so things have definitely changed a bit. 
Um, but we still try to find time and other ways to get that one-on-one time, like going out on dates still um, weekly if we can. Um, and also just when we go to my treatments every week, being able to spend that one-on-one time together, even though it's not maybe at a restaurant or out somewhere else, at least we're spending that one-on-one time together. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's a really good thing for you to mention because it's different mm-hmm. from what you guys have done in the past. Um, your, your rhythms of growing together has, has been tough and, and you're mm-hmm. having to grow together in through treatments and through doctor's appointments. And while you are, it's still not the same, right? <laughs> right. We actually mentioned that the other day that in a weird way, we kind of look forward to my treatments every week yeah. because that we have a whole day sure. of just the two of us that we can spend together and talk. I mean, even though it's not for the greatest circumstance, it's not like going out to dinner, you know, I'm sitting in an infusion chair um, having chemo. And so, you know, we're just sitting there and there's other people in the room, but it is one-on-one time that we get to spend together. So in a weird way, we actually look forward yeah. to those days every week. Well, that's awesome. And and that's, you know, that's a good perspective to have and try to lean into making the most of, you know, the situation you're in. Like here, let's let's lean into this. Let's Let's grow together. Let's look at this as a positive thing, even though it's you know, a negative thing on this one side. So I think that's great. That's, that's awesome. Uh, so tell me, you know, you have kids, you have two, two little ones. How, Mm -hmm. how's it been, you know, dealing with the, the cancer, uh, diagnosis and all that, um, and raising kids? Well, having family here has really been the biggest blessing to help with taking care of the kids because with my first phase of chemo, uh, I was severely fatigued through the first five days after each treatment that I had. And so that made it hard to be able to just do my normal stuff around the house and be able to take care of the kids. So having my mom or his mom, Brian's mom here, has really helped with that. Um, They don't know, actually, that I have this type of thing going on. Like, we didn't tell Isaac that I had cancer. And obviously, Isabella is too young to know Um, but he does know that something's different about me because he mentions, you know, mommy, what happened to your hair? No, sure. And so I just tell him, well, you know, mommy's been taking some medicine that made her hair fall out, but it's going to grow back. (laughs) Um, so, you know, it's like, he'll forget and he'll mention it again, you know, on occasion, but, um, he wouldn't really fully understand if we tried to explain the, the full extent, you know, that mommy has cancer and what that would mean as being sick. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So we try to keep things as normal as possible because that's just what's been working for us. Sure. And he gets family, gets lots of fun time with family. I'm sure he gets to do a lot of fun things. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they both do. That's that's awesome. And kids, they have no filter. So, you know, they'll ask you or say to you whatever they want to say to you Mm -hmm. and and, uh, whatever's on their mind. Um, Well, that's awesome. I, I pray that continues for you guys that, you know, that things, you know, it's not a whole lot different, but you're still able to embrace and know that you, you know, you got family that loves you and Mm -hmm. and takes care of them. Uh, As my kids are screaming, I don't know if anybody can hear it, but they're screaming in the background. So anyway, uh, so tell me about one, I'm going to ask you this question. What, what's the future hold for your treatments and what, what's ahead? What's ahead? Oh man. Um, so right now, uh, two weeks ago or one week ago, 
I started phase two. So I'll be having chemo once a week for the next three we- uh, three months. So the next 12 weeks, I'll have a treatment every single week. Um, that's chemo every week. And then every three weeks, I have target drugs um, that's specific to the type of cancer that I have. Okay. Um, at the end of the 12 weeks, um, there'll be a period where my body has to rid itself of the chemo. And then they'll do surgery. So okay. I'll have a mastectomy on one side. Then after recovery, um, probably sometime late spring, I'll do radiation. And it'll either be once a day for five days a week for six weeks or twice a day for four weeks, just depending on what they suggest for me. And then um, there'll be several months after that, I'll have um, a mastectomy on the other side and then reconstruction. Wow. So there'll be, it'll be quite a year ahead of us. Wow. So, so with all of that, mm-hmm. with all of the, the things we've talked about and you're dealing with, how do you feel about the future? I feel good about it. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the extreme amount of success that we have seen so far. You know, I feel like God allowed me to walk this path mm. to have cancer, but I feel like he's given me the easiest path with it. Wow. Um, I feel like I've been able to live a completely normal life for the most part with it. Um, so I feel very hopeful, um, with everything that we've seen so far with what the future holds. Yeah. Wow. Your perspective is such an encouragement. I hope you know that. And I mean that as a friend, not as someone interviewing you on a podcast. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see. I, I've got to see your journey spiritually and those kind of things, which has been such a blessing. But this, this is amazing to to hear you talk and be um, so optimistic about what the future holds. And and that's that's what you have to do, right? Mm-hmm. You have to do it because um, it'll just drag you down if you don't. So you do, yeah. So all right. Well, one more question for you. What's some encouragement you'd give to someone who just found out that they had cancer? Uh, Well, first of all, I would say to take one day at a time because it can be extremely overwhelming to hang on because knowledge is power. There's a lot of unknowns in the beginning, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of questions, a lot of wondering and what ifs that, that if you get yourself caught up in that, it could really just bring you down. So just taking one day at a time one appointment at a time um, until you get past that initial part of all of, of, until you get all the details about everything. Stay focused on just you and your journey uh, and your course of treatment. If you start going down a path of reading about other people's journeys and their treatments and what they had done and everything, that could really kind of boggle your thoughts about what your doctors are doing and why am I not having this or why is theirs different than mine? I mean, there's, I mean, the thing is, is with breast cancer, with every single woman is completely different. Every case is completely different. So you really just don't want to compare yourself, you know? So if you just stay with your path of what you were, you know, down your journey um, and let your support people take care of you, just sit back and understand that those people love you. They're there for you. And they're going to be the best thing to help get you through this. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Stephanie, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for 
uh, what you and Brian mean to me and Jerrica and our family. You guys have been such amazing friends and we continue to pray for you and continue uh, to hopefully uh, see progress and uh, excited about the testimony that you have and you've been able to share. So love you guys and just praying for continued healing. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to continue to support and follow Stephanie's cancer journey, then head over to Facebook and search for the group Stephanie's Shining Light Journey. That's Stephanie's Shining Light Journey on Facebook. They try to keep that updated and uh, have news and opportunities for prayer. It's also a place you can encourage her while she walks through this trial. All of us have some connection to cancer, whether it's personally, a family member, or a coworker. The National Cancer Institute indicated that in 2018, there was about 1.7 million new cases of cancer reported. I mean, that's a staggering number. These are diagnoses that not only impact a person's life, but they, they impact mental health. And, and if you know someone in your life who's walking this path, remember that it can be a lonely one. Reach out, show them love, check on their mental state. A lot of people hide what's going on in their minds, and we need to be there to support them. As we wrap up this episode, I wanted to ask again if you'd be willing to rate, review, and share the podcast. It'd really help get the message out and provide us more opportunities to connect with people who deal with anxiety. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Anxious Pastor, and you can find us on Facebook as well. Be sure to check out theanxiouspastor.com. This is kind of the hub of all of our content. You can find the podcast there, a bi-weekly blog, links to Patreon and other things. And it's just a, a great place for you to get more resources. Join us again for part two of Anxious and the Diagnosis as I interview Stephanie's husband, Brian. Uh, he's my best friend. And so it's a really powerful interview. I'm excited for you to hear about that. Well, I want you to know that I love you, uh, that you're not alone, and let's get trying. <laughs> 